What's up, everybody, and welcome back to the Prove Me Wrong podcast. For those of you watching on the video, you're going to notice I got a little bit of a different setup going on this week's podcast. Um, I've The room that I was using, I'm not going to call it a studio. I hate when people call it a studio when it's not an actual studio. It was just another bedroom in my place. Um, someone now lives in there. So I've now moved all my podcast shit into my bedroom and I'm trying to figure out what's the best way to be able to live in here and be able to record a podcast without having to be, uh, take shit down and put it back up every single day. And I'd like to be able to just continue to have at least part of the setup um up at all times without having to take it down because that's such a pain in the ass so right now i've put myself in the corner of the room i don't know if i'm going to stick with this or if i'm going to just build it out like i had um the other room all set up because i have this big uh, gray wall over here to the left so i might just um, reset it up that way but at least for this week um, this is what I'm testing, so we'll see how it goes. The camera's a little bit closer than it used to be, so I apologize for that. Holy shit, have I been stressed, and it's all self-inflicted. Obviously, it's been a little bit since I've gotten this podcast out um, for the aforementioned reasons and just being a procrastinator. I also have to get a Coachella podcast out. I have to edit both videos, and I have to do this all by tomorrow morning because I leave for Texas at 6 a.m., Last night as I was tossing in bed, it was like I had that same feeling all over again that I had in high school when there was a test the next day and you had all this extra time to study and you didn't do a damn thing about it. So now you're pulling an all-nighter, trying to retain all the information. You realize you're running out of time and you should have just done this earlier and you wouldn't have any of this anxiety. So as a 32-year-old man, I felt that all again last night. I was just going, why didn't you get any of this done before i mean of course because my usual ritual before i leave is i do all my laundry that day i pack put clean clothes in if i have an early flight like i do tomorrow i usually just pull an all-nighter doing so um so i still have all that to do on top of these two podcasts and i'm running out of time and i'm starting to freak out so i was supposed to go down to san diego tonight and just kick it but we'll see um how it all goes we'll see how quickly i'm able to get everything edited and get it out because i would like both of those to be out tomorrow i really have to get the coachella cast out because i'm now within 30 days of uh the the festival so i gotta get a couple more podcasts out and i've been just dragging ass and there's no one to blame but myself it's just a me problem it's a hundred percent my fault and had i just written it down on my whiteboard i probably would have gotten things done but i haven't so here i am but i'm glad to be back there's been a lot going on since the last time we talked um trump's come out and said we've discussed it once before but that he is going to have a military parade i'll tell you how much that costs he also has a new plan of what he wants to do uh with drug dealers and it just well we'll get into that a little bit later as well i have a feel good news story for you about a subway singer i don't know if you guys have heard about him yet but he blew up on twitter a few weeks ago and i've been following his story very closely and i'm excited to share that with you as well and we're gonna get into i don't know if you guys have heard of count dankula but it's a story that broke a couple years ago and now it's kind of all come into um 
coming to a head. So we'll get into that as well. But last weekend was St. Patrick's Day. Did you go out and celebrate St. Patrick's Day? Is that Are you one of the people that wear all green, that wake up doing car bombs and drink Guinness and drink Jameson all day? Tell you what, I'm not one of those people. Used to be that person. Used to love St. Patrick's Day. But now I don't give a fuck. St. Patrick's Day is also my sister's birthday. So, hey, Brittany, happy birthday. That's a good thing about St. Patrick's Day. But I don't give a shit. And I really don't like holidays when they try to tell me what I have to wear to go out in public. Yeah, it's St. Patty's Day. Everyone's Irish tonight. I don't own anything green. I'm not going to go buy a green shirt just for a one-time thing to go drink with a bunch of people I don't know or care about. I don't give a shit. So there's an Irish bar right by my house, and I wasn't even planning on going out, but I was getting bored. I was getting antsy. There wasn't much to do. So I hopped on the beach cruiser wearing no green because I'm an adult and I do what I want. Rode my beach cruiser down to the bar and had a few drinks. Now, this is 4, 4.30 in the afternoon, so sun's still up, still relatively early. I guess not that early if you've been drinking since 9 or 10 in the morning, but when I got there, you could already start seeing the effects of alcohol. Saw a woman crying on the curb, saw another couple fighting, saw a couple dudes start giving each other the stink eye over, I don't know, bumping into each other or something. I mean, this place was packed. They have an indoor area and an outdoor area, and both spots were shoulder to shoulder, I mean, just wall to wall, packed with people, but you could already start seeing the effect of alcohol already starting to kick in. And I think it's like some people's mission on days like that. It's just like, you know what? We are going to go out and get black out tonight. I don't know why they always have a Southern accent when I'm talking about that type of person. But who was it? Who was the comedian? Oh, it was Cat Williams when he talks about the difference between black people going out and white people talk about going out when they go, the white person comes out, you know what, Dave? Tonight, we're going to get fucked up. Ow! All they care about is what they said when they was leaving the house. Tonight, we're getting fucked up. That's essentially what happens on these drinking holidays. Now, I don't mind St. Patrick's Day. I used to be one of the dudes that would go and watch Boondock Saints drink my Guinness, would have to have some car bombs, but now I'm too old for that shit. But there is a stark contrast, I've realized over the years, between two separate holidays, or the drinking holidays and then the one smoking holiday that we have. Now, drinking holidays are not limited to Super Bowl, St. Patrick's Day, Cinco de Mayo, New Year's Eve... Christmas, okay, I could go on and on. There are many holidays in America in which alcohol is part of that holiday. And there's only one that involves marijuana, which is now legal in California. We've discussed it before. But if you've had a wreck, then you've been able to celebrate that holiday legally for many years. I mean, I was a very sick man for a couple years and I had a recommendation to be able to get my medicine. And I was very thankful for that. But it was a couple years ago prior to being legal and I had my rec, so I was able to go buy from a dispensary to get it there. That I think that was the first moment I noticed the difference between alcohol 
in between marijuana, or at least the effect it has on people. So 420, for those of you who don't know, is the stoner holidays. The one day out of the year that if you're a smoker, it's like the St. Patty's Day. You're, you're, you're going to smoke some pot. And you know what? Just like on St. Patrick's Day, I don't have to smoke pot on 420. I don't like being told what to do. If I have it, okay, I'm just going to smoke before I went to sleep anyway. So, But this year, I didn't have um, any on me. So I was like, all right, I'll go up to this uh, dispensary. It's right on... It's like where, if you guys know where Winchester, like the city of Winchester is and like Hemet, like it's right there, like between like Temecula and Hemet, but it's right on the border of Hemet. So I say all that to say, you know about the clientele that probably be on in there. So I went up there. Instantly, you notice there's a difference. There's a line to get into the building. For those of you that don't know, when you go to a dispensary, you go into the main area to check your ID, and then there's a separate area that you can go into. This is now for the recreational and also for the medicinal. So now if you're just 21, you want to go buy weed, same thing too. There's going to be one spot and then you can go to another. But I showed up, it's probably, it's probably right around like four or five o'clock. So the, the thing people do is people want to smoke pot at 420 on 420. So maybe everybody would rush there at the same time, but there was a line already out the door. So I waited in that line. Then you wait to get in the building, you check your ID, and then you sit down. They have some couches and some chairs, and there was a lot of people standing in this area. But instantly, you, I noticed that there was a huge difference between the smoking holiday and the drinking holiday. First off the bat, you go in. They had some free sandwiches for the people waiting, free chips, water. So you were able to get some food. You were able to hydrate. You were able to just hang out. They check your ID, and people were sitting on the couches. But you know what I saw? When older people would come in, or because for, for all of you that just think it's like a bunch of like younger people, or I, I guess I'm not younger, but you understand what I'm saying, that are in these dispensaries or picking up weed, it's not the case at all. It's older people, it's doctors, it's lawyers. You, you never know who you're going to see in there. But there was a few elderly people I'd seen come in, one guy clearly disabled, and without even being asked, you know what happened? People that were sitting on the couches, they stood up and they gave their seat away. First instance, good luck seeing that in a bar. If, you, if you're lucky enough in one of those packed spots to get a, a, a table or a chair, those people rarely give it up. Number two, people were waiting an hour and a half to get back to the second room. Like I said, when you first walk in, it's like the waiting area, they check your ID, and they can only have so many people in the back area at a time. So then they let in, I think it's like five people at a time are back there. It's not like 100 people or anything. It's like one person per bud tender. So it's like if you're at a bar and there's three bartenders, there's three people drinking. So people are waiting an hour and a half. Not one person complained. Not one person freaked out. Good luck trying that at a bar. You'll see men and women both that will be sitting at a bar for, I mean, maybe three minutes. We're talking 180 seconds that already start snapping, already start clapping, whistling at people. They'll see them start looking at their neighbors. When the fuck are we going to get a drink, man? When the fuck are we going to get a drink? But I didn't see that at all. And people were waiting, like I said, 90 minutes to two hours to be able to get into the back. You didn't see any fights. You didn't see anybody arguing with their significant other or with a friend. There was no tears from consuming too much um, 
weed or anything. And that was the other thing. They just, since everyone was waiting and being so cool, they would just spark up blunts and just pass them out. And people would smoke and they'd pass it. And they'd make sure the line was going around the right way. And if not, they'd pass it to somebody else. And everybody was just fucking cool to each other. And this is on in Hemet, on the smoking holiday of the year. Good luck ever reciprocating or uh, replicating that in a drinking environment. It doesn't happen. They're different types of drugs. That always cracks me up when people say like, oh, drugs and alcohol. No, alcohol is a drug. Let's just call it a drug. But that's the fucking difference. We've I probably told you this before, but one of my favorite games to play in Vegas is when you just see chaos happening that's alcohol-induced. I just go, "Uh, well, that wouldn't happen on marijuana, or that wouldn't happen on marijuana. But no one even bats an eye when you tell them you're going to go out drinking on St. Patrick's Day or for Cinco de Mayo, but you still got a little bit of prudes in the world when you tell them that you're going to smoke pot or go. Okay, so for the use of watching on video right now, um, the first part just crashed, so now I've started the second part of it, so I'll have to splice all this together and we'll see how it goes. But we were talking about the difference between 420 and smoking holidays and drinking holidays and how, I mean, if you were a parent, wouldn't you want your kid to be on the smoking holiday of ends of things and the drinking end of things? I mean, there's so much things that can go wrong, and especially when you have... Like, the bar next to us, Killarney's, I mean, they had a whole parking lot full of people. I mean, we're talking hundreds of people all drinking alcohol. Anything can go wrong at any moment. If, if you're a parent in 2018, wouldn't you much rather, if your kid was going to pick a drug, let it be marijuana over alcohol? I mean, I, I know that I would, but that's fairly obvious, right? But... Um, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about the war on drugs uh, later on the episode because Donald Trump has some new ideas about what he wants to do to solve the opioid pro- uh, problem. And I'm sorry that I have to bring him up so many times, people, but he's just polarizing and he has interesting ideas about how he wants to handle some of these issues. And I have um, an opposing point of view. So we'll we'll get into that a little bit more later in this episode. But I was talking about tomorrow, I'm going to be heading out to Texas to go celebrate the quad's fourth birthday, which is absolutely crazy to me. Um, I haven't been there since Christmas. So January, February, March, like three months, but three months in like a four year old's life, they turn into totally different people. Like when I see them on videos in my sister's phone or on social media, I'm like, oh, they're having like full on conversations now. Like you, they can question things that you're doing. They're forming full sentences. It's not just broken words anymore. I mean, they, they're privy to what the fuck's going on and oh, since I just used that word, I totally forgot about it the other day. My sister had sent me a message saying that she could no longer watch my Instagram stories in front of the kids, which if you guys have seen my Instagram stories, I don't know why you'd have those in front of kids anyways. But she said um, I'd use the word fuck in there and her daughter Haley heard me use the word fuck and then she proceeded to use the word fuck. So she's now no longer allowing the kids or maybe after she screens at first seeing my Instagram story. But I, I told her, I said, oh, that, that makes me really proud. Like laughing face, laughing face. She goes, I, I, I don't know why that should make you proud, but I just thought it was funny. I mean, we're in the year 2018, people. It's not that big of a deal. Kids are going to grow up hearing bad words. I mean, didn't you grow up he- hearing bad words if you're a parent right now do you curse in front of your kids i mean what's your reason for or not for doing it i mean all my friends cursed when i was younger actually i take that back when i I moved to marietta when i was like in third grade 
And from what my old brain remembers when I was in Upland, like the kids didn't curse there, but I came out here and then I started hearing words like fuck and shit and damn come out of 10 year olds mouths. And that just, that blew me away. But hearing those words, did I then go home and use those words in the house? Of course not, because my parents would have beat my ass. And isn't that the same thing that, like, if you were raising kids now, why not just curse in front of your kids, let them know that these are words that people say, it's not appropriate for them to use it, and just treat it like alcohol. Just because a five-year-old sees you drinking a beer doesn't mean that they're going to think it's okay for them to go get a drink to drink a beer. I just don't know why in the internet world with YouTube, with social media, why you would still be trying to shelter kids from bad words. I mean, it's 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 silly to me, but I don't have kids. I don't know, but I just like to think if I had children, how I would approach it because I had friends now that I think right that I know curse in front of their kids and it doesn't mean that their kids are able to use those words at home. Just like I use with the alcohol analogy, they know what the hell's going on. They're hearing it anyways, and now with YouTube and Netflix and social media and and all the things that go along with it, there's no avoiding it. There's no more painting this perfect world we live in where people don't curse and nobody has sex before marriage and everybody's just good people. They can go out and get the information. And I realized the other day when I was sitting on the couch, I was reading an article from CNN and it really kind of made me stop for a second and realize how big of... If you guys are on Twitter, you probably see the term snowflake a lot. So I don't mean to use it here, but sorry, like how much of snowflakes the baby boomer generation was or the previous generations, because I'm reading a CNN article. I don't remember what it was on now, but they literally had a warning at the top of the article saying graphic language ahead warning. Oh, my God. What? adult needs to be warned that there might be the word fuck two paragraphs down. Do we really need warnings? This baby boomer generation likes to talk about how millennials are triggered and they're snowflakes and they're, uh, they need their safe spots or safe places. But yet you guys enacted warnings for bad words in print and not just print for tv and for the radio there's certain sounds that you can't make with your mouth otherwise what are we gonna do what are we gonna do about the children it's 2018 and we still have warnings like this people there's now podcasts. There's now YouTube. There's now every comedy special you ever want to see is on Netflix. Do we really still need these trigger warnings? Do we really still need to be coddling our children, telling them that, oh, this is G-rated, not letting them hear certain things? Look, I understand if there's certain... Um, like, topics you don't want discussed in front of them. Like, or, like, it's probably... Or if there's certain things you don't want them to see. I, I, I get all that. But the bad word thing of that, there's these special words that have these certain meanings that you want to shelter your kids from. Is that really doing anybody any good? I mean, look at the previous generation, the bunch of snowflakes that they are. Think about what you see every Christmas when it comes around. How many of them on the right get offended by the term happy holidays? We get offended by everything and they get offended 
punctuated by two words that say happy holidays because we're not saying Merry Christmas and they're up in arms and they're freaking out and you have Donald Trump talking about it, people on Fox News talking about it, but they're not snowflakes. They're the generation I tell you, back in our day, we could say whatever and people wouldn't get offended. I'll give you another for instance. Say something, say the word fuck in front of like a woman that's like 55 or 60, especially if you have like any family down in the South, that's not words they used or said. My mom gets so pissed when she hears me use that word and I have to tell her all the time, mom, it's just a sound my mouth makes to articulate a point. Fuck can be used many different ways. We need to look at the clues in context and the intent behind any word because I mean, it makes me want to punch somebody in the face when I hear an adult or someone of my age say a word like frick or when you, they like are purposely using another word instead of saying the word fuck. Like, why is that word any better than this other word when you're meaning the same fucking thing? If you're saying frick, you really mean fuck. So why do certain sounds with their mouths have different meaning to everybody when we should be looking at the context of all these things um, are dealing with? And now you're seeing it with the joke police too, or the thought police. I mean, you, I posted an article yesterday about this guy named Count Dankula that I think a lot of the times when I post things, it comes off that I'm like far left, but I'm certainly not. I think you guys know I'm fairly independent. I'm a libertarian thinking. I believe in freedom. And the far left has gone, I think, even crazier than the far right now because now they're using all these gender pronoun words. They're saying that certain jokes can't be said, that you can't, they, I mean, they are the snowflake generation of the world. And it really came to light yesterday. I don't know if you guys heard about it. I'm going to have to read here for a second. Sorry, about a guy named um, Count Dankula. So, Yesterday, a Scottish court convicted YouTube personality, Count Dankula, of a hate crime for posting a joke of his girlfriend's dog giving a Nazi salute. Now, you might hear that real quick and go, Nazi salute? Grayson, you can't do that. But it was a joke. And this guy didn't, he's not like a PewDiePie or like a Logan Paul where he had millions of followers. He was just a normal guy. And he posted a video that was hilarious and it went viral. So I'm going to uh, continue reading here for a second. It says, Count Dankula, whose real name is Mark Meachin, was released on bail earlier yesterday and will be sentenced next month. By the way, they're looking to lock this guy up anywhere from one to five years for a joke video that in the beginning of the video, he acknowledges it's just a joke. Uh, before the verdict yesterday, Meechin told his fans, if worse comes to worse and everything goes fucking terribly, keep fighting for uh, free speech, the great meme war. We've talked about it on this numerous times about how I'm a proponent of free speech. And that means speech that offends people sometimes. Who gives a shit? Freedom of speech only works if you have freedom to say whatever you want. And what he posted was hilarious. It's a little pug, and he's talking to asking him if he wants to gas the Jews. So the video that got Meechin in trouble was posted on YouTube in April of way back in 2016. So it's almost been two years now, or it has been two years. It depicts his girlfriend's dog named Buddha 
responding to Meech and saying things like, you want to gas the Jews over and over? Um, for those of you just listening to the, the audio portion, you're just going to hear it. Um, but if you want to look it up, it's mate, your dog's a Nazi. And there's even a trigger warning when you go to YouTube. So I'm sitting here talking shit on the people of the previous generation about their little trigger warnings and CNN articles or on the radio or anything. And yet when I pull this video up on YouTube, they first of all don't have a count because they can't have it. And it says the following content has been identified by the YouTube community as inappropriate or offensive to some audiences. Here's the video for you and we'll go from there. My girlfriend is always ranting and raving about how cute and adorable her wee dog is. And so I thought I would turn them into the least cute thing that I could think of, which is a Nazi. Buddha, do I gas the juice? Do I gas the juice? Mom will gas the juice, son. Do I gas the juice? Do I gas the juice? Come on, gas the juice. Mom, gas the juice, son. Mom. Do I gas the juice? Do I gas the juice? Do I gas the juice? Gas the Jews. Jews. It's time to get up now, Buddha. It's time to get up. Do I gas the Jews? Hey, Kyle. Zikail 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 Gas the Jews Okay, so it's just that over and over again now. So if you're just listening to the audio portion, I'm sure that sounds really gnarly. So you have to go watch the video. Just put in Count Dankula or the video that I'm watching right now, the one with the trigger warning on there. It's M8, so mate, then Y-E-R-D-U-G-S-A Nazi. So mate, your Doug's a Nazi. And in the beginning, he says, this is just a joke. It's just because the dog's adorable. And that's what makes it so fucking funny. And now... Now he has been, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? He's been charged with a crime and is likely going to have to go to jail. Now, granted, this is in Scotland, but we got to pay attention to these things and make sure that shit doesn't happen here. It's happened in Canada before, too, where a stand-up comedian, um, there was a heckler in the crowd and he made fun of her or something for being a lesbian. And I'm doing a horrible job of paraphrasing it right now. But I know that he was seeking time in jail as well. So with how crazy the left is here in America, with how polarizing Trump is and everything, I believe in the freedom of speech and it makes me really happy that I can come on a podcast right now and say fuck Donald Trump or fuck the government and hopefully nobody's coming and banging down my door as I look at the door to make sure they're not coming in right now but these are important things and in the year 2018 this guy's gonna have to do jail time for a joke out of context sure you hear a guy saying oh you want to gas the jews you want to gas the jews but isn't it important to know that he was absolutely joking just like i was talking about when people use the word frick or fuck you're saying the same thing context matters intent matters as chris rock famously says it's not the words it's the context in which i use the words 
But here's, here's the crazy thing, man. It's not about the words sometimes, man. It ain't about the words. All bad words ain't bad. Sometimes it's about the context in which the word is said. It's not always the word. It's the context in which the word is said. So you say some, you know, depending on what you're talking about. You know, you say something like, man, you're the finest bitch I've ever seen. That's a compliment. It ain't the word. It's the context in which the word is being said. Please go look that stand-up special up if you haven't seen it before. I think it's one of his greatest bits of all time. But context matters. And when people are making jokes, you have to acknowledge that a joke is being made. Look, I text people awful things. Things that if I was running for president and that ever came out in light that I would not become president. Although now with the new political climate we're in with Donald Trump, maybe anything's possible. I mean, you got the Stormy Daniels lawsuit going right now and his NDA, but I'm not going to get into that. But maybe it wouldn't give me that much grief or harm if I was running for president. But I text people like not politically correct things, things that I know is going to make them gasp for a second because I'm joking with people and they understand me and they understand where I'm coming from and they know it's not malicious. If I was saying something that was actually fucking awful and wasn't a joke, I would get called out on it. But now you have people that are going to jail for things that are joke and they even acknowledge that clearly he was trying to make a joke but essentially they're saying oh well it wasn't a funny joke and that it's still a hate crime so keep your eye on this if you haven't checked it out yet the guy's name is count dankula but people what's going on it's the year 2018 do we not know when someone's making a joke or not i mean it was the tracy morgan deal a couple years ago i don't know if you guys saw when he was on stage and he was making a joke about how if his son was gay he'd stab him and the the LGBTQA plus minus three, whatever the fuck their community is, came out outraged, wanted Tracy Morgan to apologize. But Tracy Morgan is fucking crazy. Out of context, if you're just reading that, you're like, oh my God, he wants to stab his son if he's gay. But when you hear it as a joke, everything changes. Think of like when you get a text from someone posing and telling you something, you need to hear the inflection. So just reading it and they came out and said, oh, he's homophobic and hates gay people. But hey, they talk about Black Lives Matter or Blue Lives Matter. I'm here to tell you that context and jokes matter and we got to do a better job of it. It's 2018, people. Wake the fuck up. And talking about being in the year 2018, Donald Trump came out this week and says that he wants to lock drug dealers away for life. 2018 and this nonsense is still going on and now this is in reference to the opioid epidemic because that's his solution for all this that he's going to lock away drug dealers for life but i'm going to play the audio of uh, what he said in a speech um just last week if you look at other countries i've gotten to know the leaders of many countries and I won't mention names, but you know the countries I'm talking about. I go around, how's your drug problem? We don't have much of a drug problem. What do you mean you don't have a drug problem? Well, we don't have. I say, how come? We have zero tolerance for drug dealers. I say, what does that mean? That means we have the death penalty for drug dealers. We don't have a drug problem. Take a look at some of these countries where they don't play games. They don't have a drug problem. We have court cases that last 10 years, and then they get out at the end. 
We got to be tough. We have to be smart. We have to change the laws. That's right. So he said, you got to look at some of the other countries that have no tolerance when it comes to drugs and see the way that they're uh, handling these issues. What my microphone just fell. So I happened to go and look up 20 countries with the harshest drug laws in the world. Now, I'm going to read through them for you real quick because this is what Trump was comparing. And he said, look at the other countries with no drug tolerance and they don't have a drug problem. When I read these countries' names, you tell me if it sounds like a country you want to live in. Number one, Malaysia. In Malaysia, those who sell drugs can be punished with death just for having drugs in your possession. And you can be fined, jailed, or deported. Driving drunk is also punished harshly um, in the country. China. If you are caught with drugs, you can be forced to attend drug rehab in a facility run by the government. Execution is the penalty for some drug use crimes. Vietnam, Iran, Thailand, Dubai, Saudi Arabia, Singapore, Cambodia, Indonesia, Laos, North Korea, the Philippines, Turkey, Costa Rica, Colombia, so these are the top 20 countries with the harshest drug laws in the world. And this is who Trump is comparing um, uh, a successful regime of doing. He thinks that we should be going after and enacting policies like these other 20 countries. Are you out of your goddamn mind? What is this other generation thinking of that they think, oh, you know what? If we just have harsher penalties, then no one will do drugs anymore. How has that worked out for the last 50 years during this war on drugs? Do we have less heroin? Nope. Got more of it. And where does that come from? Afghanistan. Weird. Number one supplier of heroin in the world or opium is Afghanistan. Isn't that weird? When has harsher penalties ever fucking worked when it's come to the war on any drugs? Did it work during alcohol prohibition? No. There was more gangs and more bloodshed over alcohol than ever before. Is anybody shooting anybody up for alcohol these days? No. Why? Because we have access to it. It's regulated. People know exactly what they're buying, yet we have these dinosaurs like Attorney General Jeff Sessions and Donald Trump and pretty much anybody on either side of the aisle of Republicans or Democrats because none of them are able able to look at the data and look further ahead. However, to counteract what Trump was talking about, I've looked up a few countries of my own who have decriminalized drugs, which is what I believe every country should be doing. And it's not about punishment. It's about rehab and it's about ending the war on drugs and regulating it and let any free thinking person by whatever substance they want and at least then it would be healthier. I mean, are you people morons? So here's some of the countries who have decriminalized drugs. Portugal. Portugal offers drug addicts counseling, needle exchange programs, access to hospitals. Since starting this approach, Portugal has gone from arresting 14,000 people per year for drug offenses to just around 6,000. So cut it over half. Well, from having a heroin epidemic, which we are having right now, to having the lowest drug usage rate in the EU, in the whole European Union now. Not only are the jails and prisons less full, people are using less dangerous drugs. That's what happens. Switzerland 
also has some pretty relaxed drug policies that are aimed at helping the people. Marijuana has been decriminalized since 2013. The country's had harm reduction programs for drug users since the 80s. Switzerland was facing an HIV and AIDS epidemic at the time. The disease was spreading rapidly between drug users who shared needles. Instead of just rounding up the drug users and putting them in straitjackets, the country began offering job programs, needle exchange programs, methadone programs, and supervised injection rooms for drug addicts. And guess what? The numbers went down. The number of drug injectors with HIV was reduced by over 50%, 5-0, in just 10 years. Overdose mortality among injectors has been reduced um, Oh, sorry, I was just re reading that line again. It says delinquency related to the drugs have also reduced enormously. Czech Republic, like uh, Portugal, also has harm reduction programs like needle exchanges, um, counseling, and free tests for infectious diseases. They even offer aluminum foil to drug users for heroin smoking. Now, I know... For those of you that haven't gone down this rabbit hole before, this all sounds like counterintuitive. You're going to say, oh, to get people off drugs, we're going to give them access to drugs. And that's exactly what I'm saying. That's exactly what the information and the stats point to. And also, if they have access to certain drugs, then nobody uses the other drugs or a small percentage. Think of now. I've known a few friends addicted to heroin that have done it, and it all started with pain pills. But if we all had access to heroin, how many more people are going to go beat down that heroin door to try and get some? How many people that are currently taking Adderall, once if meth became legal, would then start smoking meth? The same amount would do it regardless, and the number would actually start to dwindle the more years you have it enacted because then no one was already coming in pre-hooked to it. And we already see this what, um, with the marijuana legalization in Colorado. And I'm going to read one more time uh, real quick for you. It says, marijuana legalization in Colorado, Colorado led to reversal of opiate overdoses um, in the state, according to a new research published by the American Journal of Public Health. After Colorado's legalization of recreational cannabis sale and use, opioid-related deaths decreased more than 6% in just two years. So we're talking about this opioid epidemic and Trump's wanting to put on harsher laws and put people in jail for um, for life. But if you're going to do that, then you have to start at the top. The whole reason why so many people are addicted to opioids, and that's the pharmaceutical company. Why do you think heroin made such a big comeback? It was because the use of those pills and then losing the access to said pills when politicians started putting new laws on the books and they weren't able to get them anymore. This is a self-perpetuating problem that all stems back to the politicians, all stems back to the pharmaceutical companies, and none of them are willing to take any responsibility for it at all. With a record-setting 42,000 drug overdose deaths involving an opioid in 2016, that death rate is now five times higher than it was in 1999. So what's different? What changed? It was the access to pain pills. And now you're seeing it with fentanyl and everybody's dying. So when you look at Trump and Jeff Sessions and they're talking about having harsher crimes on the books, that's not what this is about. I know for some of you it sounds crazy to say that we need to end the war on drugs and regulate it and just treat it like any other issue, like our alcohol, where you can go get access to it all. But that's the only solution. The information's there. The data's there. People don't 
like to be told what to do. I mean, look at cigarettes. Gone down because people got more information that it was bad to smoke cigarettes. The same thing would happen. And just with legalizing marijuana, you're already seeing the opioids go down. Why do people get opioids? Because you can buy it from your neighbor. You can steal it from your grandma. You can take it from your kids. You can't do that with marijuana, can you? But if you're able to go out and buy weed or buy edibles, then maybe you don't choose to do that. I've seen it happen in friends' lives. I've seen it happen in my life. I mean, there was times when I was living in Florida, I would just go to drink because there was nothing else to do and there was no access to weed where if I could just smoke a bowl and sit at home and order a pizza and chill... That's what I would have done, but you couldn't do it. There was harsh penalties, so you didn't want to go out and buy it. So what'd you do? You go and drink instead. And then the moment I moved back to California and got my wreck, I instantly replaced that with it. Now, look, I know I talk about weed a lot, but I'm not even someone that smokes every day. Sometimes I would like smoke a bowl before bed. There's many days I don't, or weeks I don't even smoke pot, but I have the option to do it. And there's many times if I didn't have that option, I'd go out and drink or do something just because I'm bored. So when you hear Trump or Jeff Sessions or all any of these other fucking dinosaurs on either side of the aisle talk about harsher penalties or what to do with the opioid epidemic, it's as clear as day to me the best thing you can do is to end the war on drugs, to regulate it, and let adults be adults. Because at the end of the day, what do you give a shit about what somebody else puts in their body in the comfort of their own home? You don't care if someone gets obese as fuck. That, that 600-pound life, you seen that show on TLC? Nobody's talking about putting that person in jail. Yet what they're doing is way worse than what someone's doing smoking pot or even the pill popper. That person's doing way more damage to their body, but nobody's talking about putting that person in jail. So isn't it time we start looking at this like adults and approaching these issues like adults? It's not just about crime and punishment. I mean, how... How many times does that work? I mean, it's 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 a crime to speed, but how many people speed? I mean, come on. It's not that big of a deterrent. But the best thing we can do is to end the war on drugs, decriminalize all drugs, and allow adults to be adults. And they'll make the right decisions like they always have. Some people are going to make bad decisions. Some people will pick the meths of the world and the heroin of the world. But some people are going to pick the marijuana of the world. And that's what happens when adults are able to make the choices. And one more thing on Trump. It's hilarious that they say that he's the fiscal conservative. You hear Republicans talk about that a lot. That he's a fiscally conservative man. He's a businessman. He's going to lower taxes. That he spends our money wisely. Remember when we talked a few weeks ago about Trump wanting to do his military parade for the veterans? Ah, well, how much is that going to cost him? An estimated between 30 and 50 million dollars. Can we stop? I mean... Is there really a fiscally conservative party anymore? We're going to talk about Republicans or Democrats. How about the fact... I mean, I don't know what today date of what the national debt is in America, but they're still taking in taxes. How about this? No more parades, no more pensions, no more raising taxes, no more even collecting taxes until you motherfuckers balance your budget. We're trillions of dollars in debt, yet we're still going to wars. We still have soldiers in Afghanistan and Iraq and all across the country, and we're sending money to Israel and all these other, Saudi Arabia and Yemen and all these other places. 
or trillions of dollars in debt and you're still collecting taxes from us in just about a month or so tax day is coming up they're going to take in a record amount of taxes and we're going to still be trillions of dollars in debt where is the accountability come on now i just i i I like to call a spade a spade when these republicans come out and say that they're the fiscally conservative party when they're talking about getting us in all these wars and they want to start a new war and they're throwing military parades and trump's going golfing every weekend let's just call it like we see it and that they're full of shit and i don't think anybody should pay any more taxes until they get this all figured out but enough with the politics enough about trump we've heard enough of that i'm sorry to bring it up but these are just some of the things as you can tell that grind my gears but i mentioned to you i had a new segment for you a new feel good news segment and that's where i get to right now so here you go with feel good news I feel good, I feel great, I feel wonderful, I feel good. So this week's feel-good news story comes from a tweet that I had stumbled upon on Twitter. It is of a Subway singer named Mike Young, who has launched a Kickstarter to cover recording costs for his debut album. I'm going to read real quick, just right off his Kickstarter. and says, My name is Mike Young, and I'm a Subway singer from New York City. I was signed to RCA at 14, then T-Electric with the likes of Etta James and Luther Vandross. The label went bankrupt, and I never got my debut album out. I spent the past... 38 years in the subway busking and making a living while supporting a family and the projects of brownsville with your help at 58 years old i hope to release my debut album never give up and it caught my eye because the tweet that had gone viral that he sent out is him singing in a subway i'm going to play that for you right now
Sorry, so that's where the subway comes in. So if you're just listening to the audio, you need to go look up, and I'll link to the tweet in the show notes as well. So if you just go to the, the description of the podcast, and I'll have a link to it as well. But it's Mike Young, and it's just a dude singing in a subway, singing his heart out, and the guy absolutely kicks ass. So just 20 days ago is when he kicked off his Kickstarter, and he's since pledged $67,000 of his $75,000 goal. And I got good news because even since um, that tweet and since the Kickstarter has started, uh, Mike Young has now been picked up by Paradigm Agency. It's a huge booking agent, and I was going through their list of artists, and I mean, it's if you're an electronic music fan there's a ton of people it's just huge name artist on their uh, roster and he's going to be announcing his first nyc show soon so that was your feel good news story of the week that's mike young shows you never give up just keep just keep showing up keep doing you and you never know um what might happen i'm surprised this guy hadn't gone viral before now but it's rad because now people have been chasing him down and trying to find him in the subways and it's just rad to see um how old did he say he was like 58 i think and now he's just he got signed he fucking did it like he did it if that doesn't make you feel good i don't know what else will so i'm sorry if i got you down with all the trump talk and all the drug shit but hey there's good people in the world things happen to good people and just show up keep doing you and then then you're mike young and you got signed and all those years of working your ass off i bet him getting signed at 58 felt way better than him getting signed um when he was a younger man so keep working keep doing it this was the prove me wrong podcast glad to finally be back sorry if we got a little uh, heavy there for a second but hey shit gets me fired up and that's what i like to talk about anyway so um i'll be back next week um i get back to california on tuesday so then i'll be getting another one now that i got this new kind of setup going um sorry about the delay thanks for checking it out i'll catch you next week Peace.